This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I think the question of am I normal, it's really just a reflection of all the ways that we've been taught to feel ashamed and embarrassed of sex. What the hell is normal? Who really cares about it? He dislocated his shoulder and had to go to the ER to pop it back in. LOL. Oh, oh. hopefully it wasn't the same couple with the dislocated hip. Her pelvis is backwards <laughs> and his shoulder's hanging. Let's take a breath. <sighs> hey guys, I'm Sydney Litwako and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here and I am so excited about this episode. It is tons of fun. Vanessa is such a blast and she makes you feel so comfortable talking about topics and conversations that you don't always feel so easy and open to talk about and I loved having her here and I think the conversation that we have today is just going to make everyone feel a little bit better about feeling good in the bedroom um, with yourself or with a partner or really whatever floats your boat. But just the idea around talking about sex and knowing that it's such a natural thing. Also, by the way, if you're my family or my mom or my dad, just don't listen to this episode. I love you so much, but just like skip over this one just because we don't need you to hear it. Um, What's funny, my former podcast, my dad decided to listen to the only episode that was rated X, basically. We talked about all the things that we're pretty much going to talk about today, and it just really was an awkward um, experience for both of us. So if you're my family members or the parents of my boyfriend, maybe just, you know, skip this one and we love you. Anyways, uh, like I said, I'm very excited about Vanessa's episode. She just makes you so comfortable to talk about sex. And she believes in just making everyone feel normal in their own bodies, in the act of sex, and just feeling like whatever you desire, whatever you want is okay. Her work is designed to help people just feel more comfortable with seeking their own pleasure. So I I'm just think this episode is going to help a lot of people and it's super fun. We go through all of your very fun moments. I asked people on Instagram to tell me their most funny moment that's ever happened to them while having sex. So we go through those. Make sure you stay till the end to get to those. Um, but yeah, today's such a good one. I actually was thinking about today because of this topic that we're on and remembering a little bit of my time on The Bachelor. And you guys may or may not remember this or you might not have seen it, which is fine too. But one of the things I was somewhat known for on Colton season was when I decided to randomly just ask him a bunch of sexual innuendos. And (laughs) people always ask me like, why did I do that? Like, why was I asking the virgin so much about sex. But honestly, thinking back to that time, I was so bored, like so bored. And it wasn't so much just with him. It was more just we spend so much time doing nothing while we're there that I you get into these really weird thought processes in your head. And one of those days I was like, how funny would it be if I were just to randomly ask the virgin a bunch of random sexual innuendos to see if he understood what I was talking about. So that was my plan. I even journaled about it the day of and I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start our meeting together with a toast because you get like 
20 minutes to talk to the bachelor every group date. So I was always on a group date. So this one, I was like, I'm just going to keep it fun. We're going to start with a toast. We'll do champagne and I'll just make it really random and awkward. So I believe I said something along the lines of like, I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait to see you. Something, something, something. And then I ended with gardening, sexual innuendos. Some of the ones that I use was tend my garden, um, whack your weeds, and just something along the lines of like if he if he's experienced a unruly lawn or a very crisp lawn, if you know what I mean. So I don't know why I did that. I was super hilarious because he actually had no idea what I was talking about, probably because I made half of them up. But it was just so funny to me. And then because of that, obviously, they wanted me to ask him at the Women Tell All a follow-up question to if he was still a virgin or not. And I had to ask him if anyone had whacked his weeds yet. And he still didn't understand what I was talking about. But anyways, yeah, I was just walking down my lane. And I was just like, wow, I did that. Some things can get really weird when you're super bored. Anywho, I'm excited. But before we jump into Vanessa, I wanted to read off a few more of your funny experiences while doing the deed because there's so many. I want to make sure I get to all of them. My partner left a full cup of water on the headboard. It fell, splashed me, and almost broke my nose, which is really funny because I actually have done this to Dixie, not sex related, but I spilled an entire glass of water on her in the middle of the night. And she was so terrified. She woke up. You think about it like you're in dead sleep. You're chilling and someone pours an entire glass of water on you. Yeah, you're going to be a little alarmed. It was very sad, but that's amazing. He passionately whispered Liberty thanks to the Liberty Mutual commercial on in the background. Wow, what an intimate moment. <laughs> Liberty. He may have slipped it into the wrong hole after which I yelled wrong hole. I feel like this has happened to everyone. I think it's pretty natural and it just can really catch you off guard. Um, the condom got stuck inside once. That sounds like a nightmare. I'm so sorry that happened to you. One time I was giving head in a movie theater. I puked up my lunch all over him. It was bad. I want to think he probably had like some form of like Alfredo pasta, something very heavy. So I guess that's a good um, note. Don't eat too, too, too much right before. Like the rule for going in the pool, it's a wait. 20 minutes or something. It's a good rule, I think, for sex as well. Um, so not funny at the time, but his dick was too big and he popped my pubic bone out of place. What the hell? <laughs> Women's bodies are designed to have babies. How large was his? Wow. I just let's take a moment of silence for that. He fell off the bed while we were switching positions. Just think, thinking of that visually makes me really happy and gives me a laugh. My boyfriend was going down on me, sneezed, and headbutted my vagina, so I smacked him, as she should have. <laughs> Ouch, that's really going to ruin the mood. <laughs> we were having sex outside at night, and his dad came out, and we, were, we had to hide behind his car. <laughs> Good old-fashioned Bonnie and Clyde sex story. Mm, we tried anal for the first time, and she pooped mid-deed by accident. Yeah, that's why I don't think I could ever do it, but... That's a big fear. Big, big fear. My boss rented my husband and I a room for business. We ripped the whole headboard out of the wall. Good job, guys. You were really getting after it. Oh, this one was my favorite. I also shared on Instagram. A guy pulled my wig off in the passion of it. Um, I just, I think that's amazing. I just love it so much. So yes, that is a little taste of how this episode's going to go. So strap on in. It's going to be a good time. And thank you, Vanessa, so much for being here. Thank you guys for listening. 
let's get to it, shall we? Without further ado, here is Vanessa. So excited to sit down with you, Vanessa. So thank you so much for being here and taking the time out of your week to chat with yeah, me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat today. So for everyone that doesn't know necessarily who you are, what you might do, can you just give us just like a brief description of who you are, what your work is, and what it kind of means to be a sex therapist? Yeah, so my name is Vanessa Marin. I am a licensed sex therapist, and I specialize in online courses that help couples and individuals take their sex lives from ordinary to extraordinary. That's my favorite little way to say it. Um, so sex therapy, it's, you know, it's it's very similar to regular therapy. I, I am a licensed psychotherapist, um, but it's, you know, specializing particularly in all things sex. It's really interesting because in order to get your psychotherapy degree, I only had to take a one unit class about human sexuality. And it's, it's funny that, you know, so many, we have a lot of couples therapists and they don't really talk about sex. And then there are a lot of sex people who don't really talk so much about relationships. So I like to see my work as fusing those two things, talking about both. I mean, how can you talk about either of those two things without talking about the elephant in the room, which is sex? So I like that there is a whole separate form of therapy in a way to do that. Did you go into this field thinking that you wanted to be specifically a sex therapist or was it just kind of something you landed on? Yeah, I always knew that I wanted to be a sex therapist, um, even before I knew that that was really a career. Um, it, it traces back to actually my parents, their very awkward attempt at the talk. Ooh, with I want to hear what they said. <laughs> um, <I don't> <laughs> yeah, so we were we were in our minivan driving home from my grandma's house. I was definitely, you know, way older than they should have been starting to have the talk with. And the thing that they said to me was, you know, if you have any questions about sex, you can ask us. And I remember really in that moment knowing like, okay, they're saying I can ask them, but what they're really saying is please, for the love of God, do not ask us anything. We don't want to talk about this. Like we're very embarrassed. And I I remember just feeling so uh, interested in that moment thinking like, why is this so embarrassing to talk about? I actually did have a lot of questions about sex. I had just made a bet with my best guy friend about how many holes a women, women had down there. I lost a whole dollar. <laughs> he so, knew better you than know, you. <laughs> I had a lot of questions. Like I, I wanted to talk and my relationship with my parents otherwise was really open and loving. And, and so it just stuck with me that like, why is it not okay to talk mm. about this? And so, you know, as I got older, I just, kept coming back to that moment of like, I want to help people get more comfortable talking about sex. And so now, even though, you know, I work with so many different topics, like everything from female orgasm, male performance anxiety, mismatched libidos, it really does all boil down to helping people feel more comfortable talking about sex. Yeah. I mean, that's huge because the more comfortable you're going to be even talking about it, the more comfortable the act is going to be, which the more fun the act will be and the more you want to do it. So it makes complete sense to me. Exactly. <laughs> I can't wait to dive into all of that because it's true. There's so many outlets that you can take the topic of sex and I have tons of questions on it. So I'm excited. But um, first, before we do that, do you have an object that you would like to share with the class? Anything surprising, maybe from your nightstands, <laughs> something with a backstory? What do we got? <laughs> I do. I do. I went into my room after I got your email. And I was like, what should I share? It was fun. It brought me back to that like show and right? tell time in class. So 
I would like to introduce you to oh my God. Walrus. Uh, this is a, a seal that I was given uh, the day that I was born. Obviously, by the time I decided to come up with a name for him, I was a little bit confused about what exactly he was. He very clearly is a seal, but that. his name is Walrus. <laughs> <laughs> I was given him by my godmother the day I was born. And so I've, I've like just carried him, you know, with me throughout my life. It's just kind of this nostalgic thing. My godmother gave it to me. I've had it since the day I was born. It just feels, you know, it just feels like something sweet. So we'll fast forward to, um, I met my, my now husband Xander in 2007. We moved in together in about 2009. And I remember I was unpacking one of his boxes and Seely was in there. Walrus was in there. <laughs> I just ruined the punchline. Walrus was in there. I pulled him out and was like, why do you have Walrus in your box? And he like looked over and he's like, what are you talking about? That's Seely. So You're lying to me. They're the go. same. So we had, yeah, in the exact same way that I'd been carrying Walrus around my whole life, he'd been carrying Seely around that he had also gotten like as an infant. And so I know, you know, rationally, there are thousands of kids who grew up in the 80s that have this little stuff seal, but it was such a like, this is the one. Okay, this is a sign (laughs) from the universe. Like, I already had a pretty good, pretty good feeling that Xander was my person, but that was a definite like, wow, done. It's done. (laughs) Like, there can be no more clear way that the universe could tell me that I have found my person. Oh my God, that's the cutest thing ever. (laughs) And I I have to say, I'm very surprised at how well Seely and Walrus have um, kept up. They're like, know, they look right? brand new. Yeah. <laughs> For that's, that's also a good sign. 37 guys... years old. They're they're doing wow. pretty well. <laughs> that is so cute. Do you believe in soulmates then? It seems like you do. You know, I don't believe that there's just one perfect person for each of us. I, I think that would just be an impossible, <laughs> you know, discovery yeah. for all of us to try to look for that. But I do believe that we can have incredibly special connections with, you know, lots of different people. So, you know, I, I think if I didn't have Xander in my life, I would be, you know, it would be sad. I can't imagine what that would look like, but I don't think he's the one and only person that I could ever be happy with. I love it. So last question I have before we jump into like the meat of everything, um, I ask everyone this question and the podcast is called Something to Share. So I'm just wondering lately, has there been anything on your minds as far as that topic goes? It can be about what you do or it can be about just something completely different. Anything that you would kind of like to share to kind of jumpstart our combo? So some, I wanted to share a couple of things. I'm like something that's been on my mind today, just because I like trying to be really present and in the moment. Um, today, I've been playing around with, uh, I'm, I'm trying to come up with like a model of different initiation styles. Like when we initiate sex with our partner or when our partner initiates with us, like what are our favorite ways to do it? So kind of like the love languages, like, oh, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I love words of affirmation or I love quality time. I'm trying to think of, trying to like make a model of breaking down, like what are the different aspects? of initiation? What do people Mm -hmm. really like? Just to, because I think that that's a question that a lot of us don't really ask ourselves. Like, what's my favorite way to be initiated? What are the exact details Mm. and nuances of, of how I really enjoy it? So that's something I'm thinking about today. And then something I've been thinking about a lot the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to get more education about, like, just for myself, kind of about all of the different subtle ways that fat phobia can creep into 
you know, daily life and society. I mean, I think a lot of us are becoming a lot, you know, a lot more aware of it than we have in the past, but all these sneaky little things I keep discovering, like I just found this Instagram account of a doctor who wrote a book about how um, food should not be seen as medicine. And at first that was so like, I was like, well, no, I kind of think food is medicine, but I was learning more about like the ways that, that, you know, just wellness and fat phobia can like sneak in in all these kind of interesting ways. So that's something that for me, I'm wanting to like explore more and learn more about. um, Mm -hmm. And I think will really help me serve my community too. I love both of those. And it's interesting for the first one that you bring up the words of affirmation and like the love languages, because it is true. I never thought of it like that, like initiation into sex is also a form of what your love language is. So everyone has a different one as well. So that would make sense then, for example, say if like my love language is touch and my boyfriend's is like words of affirmation, but if I'm like constantly touching him and he doesn't Mm -hmm. like to be like touched too much, it could be a little abrupt. So it's kind of understanding what their love language is and yours and how you can use them to initiate. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's funny. I put a question box up on my Instagram account yesterday asking people like, you know, describe what would be your ideal initiation technique. And so I'm seeing, you know, other people, like different people's responses coming in. And so literally side by side will be something like, I hate it when he just grabs at me. And the other one's like, I love when he just grabs at me. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> so it's like, we're so unique. The things that, you know, really get one person going to another person are like, no way, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's well, then I wonder too, is like, like, I guess being aware of what the love language is or what you prefer, but then also not making it mechanical about doing it. Like, oh, this always works. I always initiate this way. So I'm going to do that every time. That's so like another That's another fresh. variable I'm playing with. Like there's, there are some people who say, I want it to be the same way every time. So I sort of mm. know what to expect. It kind of builds a sense of anticipation for me. And then there are other people saying, I need it to be different every single time. I don't want to know it's coming. I don't want mm. it to feel like a routine. So... I guess that's one of the things that's just endlessly fascinating to me about human sexuality is like, we are so different. You know, we all like such different things. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I also love the point that you made about uh, body awareness as well, because that's everything in the bedroom, especially with like just being less in your head, it means being in your body. But when you may have uncomfortableness around your body or anything that we all probably have or have had at one point in our lives that can always seep into sex, which is Mm -hmm. interesting, an interesting realm to go down for sure. Amazing. Well, thank you for those. And I'm so excited to ask you more. But I actually was wondering, because I was looking at Instagram and all of the things and kind of Googling what a sex therapist does, but like, what are your number one questions that you get asked in a session or from your clients or when you're doing the work that you do? Yeah. So there are three most common topics that come up. The first one is female orgasm. And probably because mm-hmm. that's a specialty of mine, like I have a course called Finishing School. It's all about teaching women Ooh. how to orgasm. <laughs> that was my my one proud moment of naming one of my courses. I was like, that is a good one. The rest of them have struggled a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> So female orgasm, and that ranges from, you know, women who have never had an orgasm before uh, to like women who can orgasm on their own, but can't get there with a partner, women who are trying to make their orgasms feel more powerful, but pretty much everything female orgasm. 
Then the number two is like mismatched sex drives and low libido. Those tend to Mm. like go really hand in hand. So usually it's the partner with the lower libido reaching out and saying like, you know, I never want sex, but my partner wants it all the time. Or sometimes I'll hear it the other way around. Mm. Um, But just couples feeling like we're not on the same page. We want different things. How do we like make this work? Um, And then the third most common is it's couples who are looking to just have a more interesting sex life. You know, we all, we all hear this stuff about like getting into a rut or routine and it happens for all of us, Mm -hmm. you know, where it just feels like sex is very predictable. And yet at the same time, we like, don't know what else to do. Like we kind of get the sense of, I should be spicing it up or we should be doing different things. But then we kind of like freeze up in the moment of like, I don't really know what to do, or I don't know how to ask Mm -hmm. for it or initiate that. So couples trying to keep it interesting and not get bored of their sex life. So those are the top three things. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And half of those are in my question. So yeah, I kind of want to know. First of all, I want to talk about because this is like everyone's topic is the pleasure gap between male and female. And like, mm-hmm. is that true? I would think it is. But what are the statistics around that? And then how do you work with your clients, I guess, mostly female to bridge that gap? Yes. Yeah, so it absolutely is a very real thing. Um There are statistics, I'm not going to remember the specific numbers off the top of my head, but there's some really interesting research where they asked, this was done for heterosexual couples, where they asked, Mm -hmm. you know, men and women, did you have an orgasm in your last sexual encounter? And so men answered, they were somewhere in the high 90s. I don't remember the exact number, but it was high 90s. Then they asked women, did you have an orgasm? And it was like low 60s. So there was a a pretty significant gap. And then I thought what was most interesting in that was they asked the men, do you think that your partner had an orgasm? And it was like 89, 90%. So that was another big gap of like (laughs) how many guys thought it was happening, but it wasn't happening. Um, (laughs) So I think that the the reason that it exists is because the ways that we are taught that heterosexual sex is supposed to happen, it is all about male pleasure. You know, so mm. it's like if you even think about the word sex, like you're probably picturing intercourse in your head, mm-hmm. right? Like we use those words really interchangeably. And so if you ask like a heterosexual person, you know, what do you think sex is? Like they'll t- probably tell you something like, oh, you know, we make out for a little bit. There's a little bit of touching, but it's like kind of straight into intercourse. Mm-hmm. And intercourse is actually not the activity that feels the most pleasurable for the vast majority of women. Mm -hmm. So if we put all this emphasis on that and I can go, I can like totally geek out on you and all the scientific details. I love why it's not that pleasurable (laughs) for us, but basically what it comes down to is that intercourse does a pretty terrible job of creating clitoral stimulation Mm -hmm. and female pleasure is really about the clitoris. So if Mm -hmm. we put all this emphasis on this activity that like is not that pleasurable for us is not how our bodies are designed to experience pleasure, of course, there's going to be a gap. So the funny like comparison that I, I make is like, from a nerve ending standpoint, like we could say that intercourse for a woman, for a man, the equivalent would be like playing with his balls. So it's like, mm. it might feel good. Yeah. It might be fun. Sure. Let's do that for a few minutes. <laughs> but for the vast majority of people, like it's not enough stimulation to lead to orgasm. That's, that's a very interesting comparison. <laughs> I, I can understand it fully when you make that comparison. Yeah. So it's like if we live in some alternate universe where we define sex as, you know, playing with a guy's testicles, like we'd be having the same sort of conundrum of like, oh, why are men not orgasming? And then we think, well, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's really the same kind of thing that comes up with with putting so much emphasis on intercourse. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, that is so <laughs> and also for men too, isn't it like pretty natural for them with intercourse? It they ejaculate a lot faster that way. So then it's also a shorter period of time, which also lends to not enough time for women to experience an orgasm. Yeah. So, so a lot of yeah, men on average um, will orgasm within like three to five minutes. That's kind of the average. And the average for women is around 20 minutes. So obviously that's a big discrepancy. And that's, minutes. yeah, so that's an average. I mean, you know, so there are people on all different ends of the spectrum. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's a really big discrepancy. So if you're just going, you know, prioritizing the guy's timeline, like, of course, that's going to leave the vast majority of women kind of like, wait, we're done? Like I was just getting started. Mm. Yeah. Like she's just getting warmed up and Mm -hmm. it's over. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So with your clients then, do you like give them exercises or things that they can do in order to kind of even that out for people? Or how, how do you go about that with your clients? Yeah. So in finishing school, there's really this emphasis on, you know, you learning what your body needs, really learning, you know, clitoral stimulation in particular, like what kind do you like? And then Mm -hmm. being able to teach that to your partner Mm -hmm. and together, like kind of as a team, the two of you emphasizing creating more clitoral stimulation in your sex life. So using more hands, oral sex, toys, getting clitoral (laughs) stimulation during intercourse, but really being able to give that as much of a priority as penile stimulation, which is we've Mm -hmm. already got plenty of that going. (laughs) Yeah. I'm also curious. This brings up something for me too, the idea of vibrators. What's your stance on those and like Mm -hmm. using them every time? I've also heard that it could like eventually numb the area if you overuse it. Like what is your stance on that? That's it. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think there's a lot of vibrator fear mongering out there. Like there are always these articles about, you know, are you addicted to your vibrator? And the bottom line is no, you can't get addicted to your vibrator. It's not going to destroy, you know, your body or ruin your orgasm, anything like that. That being said, like if we do the same thing every single time that we masturbate, we are training our bodies to respond to that kind of stimulation. So that could Mm. be the same thing for a vibrator. It could be for watching porn every time you masturbate. It could be fantasizing, especially like a, a specific fantasy. It could even be having your body in a certain position or using the same kind of sensation with your hands. So I think when it comes to a vibrator, it's worth just taking a little bit of time to think to yourself, like, what is the role that I want a vibrator to play in my sex life? So there are some women who will say, I love my vibrator. It's my ride or die. I want to have every orgasm be a vibrator orgasm. And so I'll say, awesome, use it to your heart's content. And then there are other women who will say, you know, I like my vibrator, but I also want to learn how to get off with my own hands or from oral sex from my partner. And so if that's the case, I always tell women, you know, do it like kind of 50-50. Use the vibrator half the time. Use your own hands half the time. So again, Mm -hmm. it's not that you're like getting addicted to it, but it's just doing the same thing on your own that you want to have happen with your partner. This brings me into my next question is the idea of understanding what you like and that process, like what do you suggest? And then once you learn that process, 
how do you go about that conversation with your partner? And you kind of touched on it with uh, the finishing school where I would say like if you're learning all those things, that's helpful, then you have the knowledge. So it's less about being uncomfortable, but like what is your um, suggestions for that? Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to like clitoral stimulation in particular, like figuring out what you like, I'll give you guys like three um, variables that you can pay attention to. So one is like- homework. (laughs) Yeah, homework. (laughs) So one is the kind of stroke that you like. And so that one, I kind of break it down a little bit more from, do you like indirect contact or direct contact with your clitoris? Mm. So the clitoris is super sensitive and there are definitely plenty of women who are like, I cannot touch it directly. It's like, it just, it's too much. It's too intense. So for those women, they might like using like a, um, doing a circle around the clitoris with their finger, but not touching it directly. Or maybe mm-hmm. they might like keeping their underwear on and like stimulating themselves mm-hmm. over the underwear again. So it's like not direct contact versus do you like, you know, really having that like skin to skin contact with your clitoris where maybe a stroke, like, you know, going diagonally across your clitoris, you know, mm-hmm. might feel really good for you. So that's the first one. What kind of stroke do you like? Do you like it indirect versus direct? The second and the third are kind of similar. They're speed and pressure. So these are ones that you can kind of play around with, like start off very, very slow and then try working your speed up and try to like, I like to call this the Goldilocks method. I'm like, what feels just right? So like you want to find that middle ground of what feels good for you. And then next you can play around with the pressure too. Like, do you like a really, really light, gentle pressure? Some women love really intense pressure. So again, you want to like Goldilocks your way into like, what's the re- amount of pressure that feels good to me? Yeah. And I think it's just a matter of taking those first steps whenever it's uncomfortable for someone or they're like, oh, I don't know how to do it right. It's just a matter of like taking time. I think I've also heard someone saying like, go take a bath or like put yourself in a very Mm -hmm. calming environment because sometimes that affects people too, just like where they are doing things that can kind of throw them off and get them in their heads. That's so For sure. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I tell women like, you know, think about how you want a partner to treat you when you're being intimate with a partner. Like, do you like when someone just sticks their hand down your pants? Do you like when there's no like mood setting or anything like that? And most people don't. Um, and so I say, well, try to, you know, do the same thing to yourself, like during masturbation that you like with a partner. So do you like mm-hmm. turning the lights down? Do you like putting on your favorite sexy jams playlist? Do you like wearing some laundry? that makes you feel good? Do you like, yeah, taking a bath beforehand, you know, anything like that. So really trying to like take your time and make it feel like a more, um, just a more luxurious experience that can really, really help. It's, it's giving you the the time that you need, but also it's like honoring that period of time, like honoring the, the act of it. I love <laughs> that idea. the focus so much on orgasm and intercourse and when you're with a partner that tends to, I feel like throw me off sometimes or get me in my head. So what is, how do you put the focus on getting to that result, but not put every, all the eggs in that basket. So you can be in the moment with what you're doing. Yeah. I I think that most of us get so fixated on orgasm that it really sucks a lot of the fun out of the rest of the experience. Mm -hmm. And I totally understand where this pressure comes from, you know, like, especially if you're a woman who struggled to orgasm, maybe you've never had one or you haven't been able to get there consistently. Like it's very hard not to think about that. So I actually, I, you know, I teach orgasm now, but I had my own struggles with it for almost 10 Mm -hmm. years. I could get there on my own, but not with a partner. And so I, 
you know, I did all the stuff that I now tell women not to do um, because I, I really get, you know, what it was like just being so in my head, feeling like I had to fake it, put on this huge performance, all that kind of stuff. But I think what happens with orgasm is, you know, we're so desperate to have them that we forget mm-hmm. that pleasure is the pathway to orgasm. So an orgasm doesn't just like pop out of nowhere. Like you find that exact right little technique to use. And all of a sudden, bam, there's an orgasm. It's like you feel an orgasm after you've felt growing pleasure and intensity, and you've been feeling really good. So if we try to focus on that pleasure, recognizing like, it's not just, you know, all the pleasure that you feel up to an orgasm, that isn't just a like, throw away or not as important or not as good. And like orgasm on on average lasts from two to 20 seconds. Whereas Mm -hmm. you could be intimate with yourself or with your partner for hours. Mm -hmm. So it's like you can experience so much more pleasure leading throughout that rather than, you know, just that little bit at the end. So I think if we Mm -hmm. kind of reset our minds um, and our expectations in that way, it can really help. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are there different types of orgasms that can happen? Like g-spot clear like are there different there too what is that yeah this is a really good question (laughs) so this is a hotly debated topic um i like i what i personally believe in and the research that i've read i really believe that there's just one orgasm and i think that what happens when we focus on all these other kinds of orgasms is that we make women feel bad about the ways that our bodies naturally work so the clitoris has eight to 9,000 nerve endings in it. For comparison, the penis has like two to 3,000. So we're talking way more. (laughs) The clitoris is also the only part of the body of like of any gender that the only purpose of the clitoris is just to feel pleasure. There's no Hmm. other purpose. I love that. Yeah, (laughs) fun fact. Um, And so you know, so it's really important for us to to give the clitoris the respect it deserves. But like, if you think about it, the ways that we talk about the clitoris, it's it's not very respectful. It's like, oh, it's so hard to find. And like, why do women mm. need this extra stimulation? And like, where is it? Doesn't even exist. Like, we really oh kind of make fun of it, right? Yeah. And so, and then if you compare it to like, to our vaginas, I actually look for this regularly. I try to find like a scientific, you know, a paper about how many nerve endings are in the vagina and I have yet to find one. And I mean, if you think about it, like think about childbirth, you know, how painful Mm. that is already. Like would we want more nerve endings there? Right. Yes. That would suck actually. Yeah. Be like great every other time, but you might yeah. die from the amount of pain yeah. that so, that would be. Wow. So what's interesting. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. Right. So, you know, when it comes to like different types of orgasms, I say like, you know, our entire bodies are capable of feeling so much pleasure. And so I want to encourage everyone, like, find all the pleasure that you can feel. How much pleasure can you feel in your elbow, in your wrist? Like, mm-hmm. let's explore our bodies. But when we when we create these names for like the G-spot orgasm and cervical orgasms, mm-hmm. it makes it feel like these orgasms are like better than clitoral orgasms. They're kind of like top secret or for more advanced women. And we don't do uh. the same thing for men. Like, are we, do you see like the Maxim articles that are like how to have your testicle orgasms tonight? Like <laughs> <A> ball orgasm. <laughs> yeah, like, men, what's wrong with you if you're not having your ball orgasm? Why do you need the penis stimulation? Like, <laughs> 
complicated. Like we, oh my like, God. we don't have different kinds of orgasms for men, right? Mm. Like it's mm-hmm. just from the penis. We have categories for yeah. that. <laughs> so I don't like leave. I mean, there really isn't very much like scientific evidence showing that there are different kinds of orgasms. And I just think that when we label them in that way, it ends up really harming women and not respecting the ways that our body works and the ways that we feel mm. pleasure. Yeah. I love that you're kind of debunking that for people because that is so true. <laughs> Everything that you said, you hit so many points. But yeah, we we already have pressure on ourselves as it is just to figure out how to have one, but then we have to have different types of them mm-hmm, <laughs> as exactly. well. Yeah. We don't even understand the difference. Yeah, I love that. And you yeah, and especially that. like, you know, the cervical orgasm, like there really are hardly any nerve endings in the, you know, in the vagina. So it's like, it's the same as saying like an elbow orgasm. So again, I'm all like, yeah, find all the pleasure you can find in your elbow, but like, let's not put pressure on people like, oh, you have to have an elbow orgasm. You're not like sophisticated enough or like yes. woke enough or sex positive enough unless you're having the elbow orgasms. It's like, oh my gosh. Start working on my elbow orgasm. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) That's homework Uh, assignment number two. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big one. That's a bonus points. You talked about earlier about the idea of keeping it fresh. How do you do that? Because I feel like too, once a woman finds, or I don't want to just specifically talk about women, but usually you find like what works for you as a couple, whatever your partnership Mm -hmm. is. And then naturally you'd be like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing that because that worked for me last time. How do we keep it fresh while also getting to that result? Like, what do you recommend for people for exploring that other ways of going about sex? So most important thing is to recognize that there has been tons of scientific evidence that shows that the best way for us to have like a really passionate and active and ongoing sex life is to try new things in the bedroom. And there's been, you know, research about even just keeping relationships like totally separate from sex. The best way to keep like the relationship energy alive is trying new things together. Like our brains love novelty. Mm -hmm. They love having new experiences and it lets us see our partner in a different light. Like when we try new things with them. And so trying new things in the bedroom is just such a great thing that we can do. Um, And yeah, and again, like you were saying, it can feel tricky sometimes because you're like, oh, but I like that thing. I know that thing that works for me. And I think that can be great, but we also just want to make sure to like mix it up with ourselves. So if there is like one specific thing Mm -hmm. that you really, really like, like maybe that could be the thing that you do at the end, but you give yourself other time to like explore Mm -hmm. different things. Um, It may also go back Mm -hmm. to the same thing that we were talking about earlier, that like if you do the same thing over and over and over again, you're priming your body to only experience Mm -hmm. pleasure in that way. So it might be an opportunity to ask yourself like, okay, this thing that like always works for me, am I happy always going to that? And that's like my default, like, okay, that's the end of when we've had sexy time together, we go to that. Or do you want to be able to experience pleasure Mm -hmm. from a lot of different kinds of activities and experiences? And if that's the case, then giving yourself that permission in that space to like, hey, let me try new things. I know I've got my old standby that I really love, but I'm going to try something new, like maybe half the time. Do you suggest that you just like, okay, go explore Dora the Explorer (laughs) style? Or do you like, do you do research? Do you watch like show? Like, what do you recommend if you're like, okay, I want to do something different, but I don't know what to do? 
So I, I will just give that? a quick little plug that we do have a 30 day sex challenge because we know that so many people struggle with like, okay, I know I want to do something new, but I don't know exactly what to do. So it's a fun little challenge where you get mm-hmm. an email every day that gives you like two different ideas of things that you can try. So it's really like homework. I love Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's giving you like, you know, specific things that you can do. So happy to have you try it out. If you want to get a little yeah. test done. <laughs> um, I'd love to try that out. Yeah. It's really fun. Cause it's like, it's a surprise. You don't know what you're doing until that day. And it's not all intercourse. It's different kinds of activities together. So that's That's one thing. Um, But you definitely can like, you know, do research, find things that you like. So a, a good little hack that I love for couples is like create a Google doc together or like a note that you share on your phones. And every time you listen to a podcast and you hear some ideas or you see an article online, like just keep a list there of different things that you want to try. Because a lot of times, like when we're in the moment, it's just like our brain completely clears. I'm like, I don't know. I can't even think of a different position that we can try right now. (laughs) But if you like keep a list of of things that you guys want to try together, that'll kind of help you remember things a little bit better. That's fun. And it kind of gives you something to look forward to too, because you're like, Ooh, let's try that thing on the list tonight. That sounds fun. Yeah. You can do a lot of like flirting and teasing back and forth about like, are we doing number seven tonight? (laughs) Um, But it can be really fun. I love that. Um, I also wonder too, how do we, the idea of prioritizing sex in a relationship or even outside of a relationship, how do you go about prioritizing it? That word is really hard (laughs) for me to get out. Um, without losing like the spontaneity of it, like say, oh, we only have this, we're on this schedule. So we're going to go Monday, Friday, Sunday. Those are our days, but like, that's great. But how do you keep it a priority without making it not spontaneous? Oh, you're asking all my favorite questions today. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, okay. First thing about spontaneity is I think that we put way too much emphasis on spontaneity. Uh, I think most people will like, they would define like their ideal sex life. It's like, it feel it just feels so spontaneous and like out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times like couples will complain about this. They'll say like, oh, sex just feels so routine and so boring. Like the, the younger days, you know, when we first met, like it was so wild and spontaneous. And so what I like to do is like, okay, take me back to like when you first started dating your partner. And let's really think about it. Like, what were you doing when you were dating? You're scheduling dates with your partner, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you have a date on the calendar, you're like building up anticipation for it. It could be like days, weeks that you're waiting for that date. When it's date night, you're like, I'm going to the gym. I'm working out. I'm like coming home and trying on 20 different outfits. I'm like calling my girlfriend and telling her what outfit does she think is the best. I'm like doing my makeup and my hair. So I feel really good about myself. Mm -hmm. Like we're doing all of this planning and effort so it's, it's not at all spontaneous, but it's just mm-hmm. that our attitude about that preparation was totally different. Mm. So I think that the problem, like the issue is not that we need to find some way to be spontaneous all the time, but we need to find a way to like change our attitude about the effort that sex takes. So it's like, can you get yourself back to that same sort of state that you were in the beginning of your relationship where getting yourself ready to be with your partner was actually a really exciting thing? That's so true because we always want to go back to that honeymoon stage of like everything was exciting, but doing things like that, it's kind of tricking yourself 
to believing that it's spontaneous or to believing that it is out of the ordinary. It also is helpful to have something to look forward to, like you said, because yeah. I like it's like a vacation. Like we're all excited. We're yeah. planning for that. We're getting ready for that. We're taking exactly. fitness classes for that. We're getting our spray tans, all of it. But it's kind of the same thing where you could be like, oh, we're going to try number 7B today. But it's going to be two weeks from now. And then I'm going to be wearing this lingerie mm-hmm. and all the <laughs> all the things that can kind of go into it. Yeah. You could send like a calendar evite or like one of those um, – paperless post you could oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make it a whole thing that's so fun no, I think yeah I mean it's that. it definitely can be fun to like have sex that kind of surprises you and catches you out of nowhere but I, I think the reality of of modern day life is that most of us lead pretty scheduled lives you know where we do mm-hmm. like to know what's on our schedule and and for a lot of us there's like a sense of of satisfaction that comes along with that of knowing like yeah here's what I have on my schedule I'm sticking to it and so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying that everybody needs to schedule sex and the only sex that you have should be scheduled, but I do think there's a way we can really like change our attitudes about it and recognize like, Hey, my sex life is important to me. My partner's important to me. So I'm going to show that respect by like carving out specific time on my calendar, or us making date nights together, or me like making that effort to do whatever things I like to do on my own that get me excited to be with my partner. I love that. It's like a modern romance. Yeah. We're all right. living in that time. So might as well incorporate sex into it too. Yeah, for Why sure. Um, I think last question I have on this is everyone's always wondering like, am I normal if I like this? Say it's a fantasy or am I normal if we only have sex once a month? Like what what do you say to those people of the idea of like what's normal and getting out of that maybe if it's a rut or whatever it is? Like what do you say is normal to your clients? I think the question of am I normal, it's really just a reflection of all the ways that we've been taught to feel ashamed and embarrassed of sex mm-hmm. because we all have been. I mean, I'm a sex therapist. I have plenty of hangups and baggage around sex myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I've, I've heard people ask me that question for like the most tame things. Like I've had people say, I love when my boyfriend calls me like cute pet names. Am I normal? I love when my partner like makes out with me. Am I normal? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. these things are totally fine. (laughs) And, you know, and even much more intense things, like my personal perspective is as long as there are consenting adults involved, it's normal. So do whatever the hell you want, do whatever the hell makes you happy, but really, yeah, just recognize like, it's not a really, it's not a valuable question for us to be asking ourselves, like what, what the hell is normal? Who really cares about it? All that you should care about is like, do I feel good doing this activity in my life? There's so much, there's so many layers to sex, especially we've all had a background with it. We've all been told some things about it, some better than others. So we're also bringing all that into the bedroom. So as much as we can shed that, those constraints on what it is, the better I feel like we all could be in the end for it. Yeah. I mean, I like to remind people like, you know, we don't come out of the womb being ashamed and embarrassed of sex Mm -hmm. and judgmental of our bodies and, you know, all this stuff, like we're taught to be, and we can also get back to a place where we recognize, you know what, I was taught all this crap, but what do I actually want to believe about my own sex life? You know, what are the goals that I want to have for myself? How do I want to approach it? We don't have to just live with all the terrible things that we've been taught to believe about it. We get to be our own bosses in our, our own sex life. 
I love that so much. I think we should get into the funniest sex stories. Oh, yes. I'm dying to hear. (laughs) Do you have any like crazy funny stories or something that you've tried and you're like, I'll never try that again? Or it was like led to an interesting situation for you? I'll share one. Yeah, I can share an embarrassing one. So this was it was pretty early in my relationship with Xander. And so we're having intercourse (laughs) one night. And right from the beginning, I was like, something doesn't feel right. Like something feels kind of weird. And I didn't really say anything for a minute. I was trying to like figure out like, what the hell is going on? Why does this feel so different? (laughs) And then I realized I had left a tampon in. And so he was like thrusting up into me and shoving the tampon further and further. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I just told him like, hold on a second. I need to take a little pause. Like I just have to go to the bathroom. I didn't even tell him what was going on because I was so embarrassed. And so I ran to the bathroom. <laughs> it was, we were at his house. He lived with like five guys in this like very bachelor pad, San Francisco apartment. And so it had a split bathroom with like just the toilet it was in a little room. And so I'm like, go to get the tampon out and realize like, it's really up there. Like I, I, I'm like, this is not working. So I must've spent like at least 10 minutes, like getting into every position that I could. I was like (sighs) on the floor of this gross boy bathroom, like desperately trying to fish it out of myself. Did not work, could not happen. So I had to go to go back into the room and be like, I have a tampon stuck in there and like, I need you to get it out. And even with him, with his long fingers, like barely, barely got it. I really thought I was going to have to go to like urgent care or something like that. Um, But that was definitely a bonding experience of like brand new guy. You know, it was only the first few times that we were having sex with each other. And like, you're having to fish a tampon out of me. Like that was... Mm. That was another not- <laughs> like make or break situation for the relationship. I think yeah. <laughs> so brought you closer together, which is all you can ask for. Yeah. I love so what it. What was yours? Um, mine wasn't with my current boyfriend. It was a one night stand. One of the only ones I've ever had. And I, from my experience, I wouldn't recommend them just because my experience sucked. But I, I think everyone should try them once or twice. Um, he was a really interesting guy. He was from like South Africa. I didn't know him well, but like the idea of just hooking up with a South African guy, just really, I wanted to have that for my, you know, roster. And, um, (laughs) I went back home with them after meeting him for the second time. And I don't usually do stuff like that. I wasn't very, um, I just wasn't normally in those types of situations, but for whatever reason, I was like, sure, I'll do this. This is, I can do this. We get back to his apartment and immediately I was like, I shouldn't be here. This is, there's no music anymore. We're no longer at the crowded bar. I'm immediately sober. I don't want to be here. But I mean, it was fine. I went along with it. We ended up like hooking up, whatever. But then he started getting weird in the sense where he started like saying like dirty talk without like initiating it or we've never really hooked up before. So it was just like kind of abrupt and kind of threw me off. And he kept saying like, you're a good girl, aren't you? You're a good girl. Tell me you're a good. I was like, I'm not. Stop. (laughs) Stop talking. So he kept doing that. And then um, he eventually went downstairs and did this like this. Uh, I want to describe it as like milking the cow to my breasts. Oh, and no. I it was so painful. Whatever. So we finished the whole night. That's fine. The next day, my whatever he did, my nipples were hard for 24 hours, a full day of just erect nipples. He literally milked <laughs> me like a cow. 
I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? Let's just say we never talked again. Oh, my God. (laughs) It was interesting. Your nipples were done with that. Yeah, they were like, what did you do? (laughs) What was that? There's some special uh, South African sex tip that we don't know about. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, yeah. Worked for him before. I just wasn't the right gal for the situation. Next time. Oh, man. Okay. So there's quite a few, but I'll just read off some. We could just do first reactions or if you have any comments, great. If not, we can just read them and they can stand for themselves. So this person says, my right hip replacement, only 36 LOL, dislocated and was dangling from my body. So this is while they were having sex. So she must have dislocated her hip and it was dangling. (laughs) I just kind of like wonder what position they could have been. I want to know what Ow. position they were in that knocked yeah, like, it out that way. Wow. Yeah, because you'd have to like really get it at the wrong angle. Just one. <laughs> so interesting. I'm allergic to a condom brand. We didn't realize until afterwards. Swelled up to four times the normal size. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I guess God. get to know your allergies. Yes. Yes. That can be super painful. <laughs> A sight you probably won't get uh, out of your memory for a while. (laughs) Probably pretty tender. Um, This person says during the deed, they got breast milks. Her breast milk squirted everywhere. Oh, yeah. That happens a lot. I think a lot of, yeah, a lot of moms are not prepared for this, but it definitely can happen a lot. (laughs) Which makes sense because, like, even if you're, you haven't pumped in a while, your breast milk wants to come out, but that would make sense that, like, doing something like that would make that happen. But I've never thought of it like that. Yeah. um, I will say also, I have talked to a lot of guys about this, like new dads, Mm -hmm. and I have never found one that really cared. I think a lot of women get very embarrassed about this and guys are just like, I don't know. It's kind of hot. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if it's a turn on. (laughs) It was either totally neutral, really didn't care or like, "Mm, that's kind of, that was kind of hot. So good odds. That's good to know. (laughs) Um, I just like the visual of this one. McDonald's fries being rained down on me naked after being knocked from the headboard. So I guess they had McDonald's earlier in the night and it was left over. And then she got a, a French fry shower. Yeah. Sounds good. Get a little like snacks. You know, sometimes it's it's pretty active. You work up a little appetite. So a little, True. A little snack True. in the middle. Burning the carbs. <laughs> Do you burn a lot of calories in sex? Is that normal? You don't burn a ton. I mean, yeah, you always okay. see like random um, magazine articles saying like, oh, burn these calories tonight. And it's just like, no, just have sex for pleasure. We don't need to care yeah, about I was burning say, like, calories. Are they doing eight moves? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're being super acrobatic with it, sure. But, you know, on, yeah. on average, it's not really much. <laughs> hmm. I have a question on this one. I passed out once while having shower sex and then woke up on the bathroom floor. Oh, is passing out from sex normal? We got a few of those. Like they completely passed out. I mean, it's it's not. It, so I won't say it's abnormal. It's not as common. Um, definitely not mm-hmm. that common. I mean, it can happen around orgasm occasionally, and sometimes it can happen from people. Um, if you start kind of like hyperventilating a little bit, sometimes that can lead to it. Mm-hmm. The shower makes me think that maybe it was just more like kind of the heat. And if they were in it mm-hmm. for a while, maybe getting a little dehydrated, like if you're in a sauna for too long kind of thing. So maybe mm-hmm. it was that. But no, it's not super common to pass out. Interesting. Um, this one accidentally recorded a sex tape via the security camera. I have to keep an eye on my dog. <laughs> kind of hot. <laughs> Could watch it back. Yeah, yeah, that could be fun. 
So one of those ones that yeah. like throws the treats at you. It's like you did a good yeah. job. <laughs> like throw a treat at them after yeah. they, they finish. Like yeah. good job. You deserve a treat. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I guess because it's motion sensored. So that would make sense. <laughs> um, another emergency room situation. He dislocated his shoulder and had to go to the ER to pop it back in. LOL. Oh, oh. hopefully it wasn't the same couple with the dislocated hip. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> her pelvis is backwards and his shoulders hanging. Yeah, I hope not. That would be like, keep God, going. What are you guys it's doing? so good. <laughs> yeah, we're just like ripping each other apart. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my God, it's amazing. Um, we were doing the deed on his high school baseball field and I got a bloody nose. It's not the bloody nose for me. It's that they were doing it on their high school baseball field. (laughs) That's pretty funny. This one's super fun. Um, caught my boyfriend's dick in my zip up hoodie zipper while going down on him. (sighs) Oh, that's going to be painful. I feel like a PSA is to take off a zippered hoodie if you're going to be doing that. Yeah. (laughs) What is that movie? There's something about Mary where he gets his balls like caught in his uh-huh. jeans. <laughs> it, I think probably the vast majority of men have had an experience of at least, you know, getting it close to a really bad situation with the zipper. Zippers are not kind. Oh, my God. This one's funny. He started crying while he was down there and said his ex never let him do that. Oh, I'm like it's an emotional experience for him. I love that he cried, honestly. Yeah, that actually it's really common. There are so many women who, you know, don't feel comfortable letting their partners go down on them. And there are so many men who love going yeah. down on women. I think women don't realize that they think of oral sex as like oh, it's such a chore and guys don't like yeah. it. You know, we're taught to be really embarrassed about our bodies. So we feel self-conscious about it. But there are so many men who like love it. Like they would just do oral sex if they could. Wow. Is it the idea? I mean, I guess it's different for everyone, but the idea of just like pleasuring someone else and getting them to react or what is it? Yeah. So it's definitely like pleasuring your partner, like giving to them, feeling like you're in control of just like giving them this amazing experience. And it's also a lot of men love the way that women taste. So like I was just Hmm. saying, like we're taught to be so embarrassed of ourselves. So most women think like, oh, I taste gross or I smell really bad. But there are so many men where it's like they eat. Like if they could bottle it up, they would, they would. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. so interesting. Um, is there, is it true that if you, was it pineapple? If you pineapple, it makes your hoo-ha taste better? Uh, I mean, if you want to <laughs> eat like a lot of pineapple, but like, yeah. just don't bother. It's fine. It's like a whole pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> it's our our taste also, know. like it really fluctuates throughout our cycle too. So that's mm-hmm. totally normal. But I mean, unless you have an infection, which in case, in in that case, go to your doctor, but unless you have an infection, Mm -hmm. like your vulva, your vagina, it smells fine. It tastes fine. Like it's just Mm -hmm. a lot of BS that we get making us feel bad about it. That's so true. Yeah. I I talked to this skincare brand condition her and they were saying if, if that's the case, usually it's like a pH in balance. Yeah. So and that, what usually leads to that is, is us like washing ourselves with soap or douching. Like the vagina does an amazing job at keeping itself clean and healthy and pH balance. But when we mess with it by like trying to wash ourselves or scrub ourselves out or do, you know, douches, we mess with that balance. So just leave, leave her alone. She'll do a good job on her own. Do you suggest any like unscented natural 
products to use down there? Honestly, the best thing to use is just a little water. Like you don't need any Mm -hmm. soap, definitely not anything inside. Um, And so, you know, we can get, it's called smegma, really beautiful name, but it's like a little buildup (laughs) of dead skin cells that can cluster around the inner labia. And so you can just take Uh like a really gentle washcloth, get a little warm water and just wipe that Mm -hmm. down. And that's, that's it. So, I mean, I really just, I think it's best for us to not you know, not use soap, even if you're going to use soap, yes, like an unscented, all natural, like very few ingredients is okay. But the the best thing is just water. Just a little water. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm learning stuff. Yeah. <laughs> These are animal related. My dog decided to stick his tongue slash nose in my, I think this is friends with benefits, but. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I hear about animals a lot. Do you have cat ones? I do. This one yeah. says, realize my kitten was inches from his balls during the act. Laughed so hard I farted and then peed. Oh. So there's more to it. <laughs> Thanks to the cat. Oh, it's good. Oh. I've heard a lot of stories of cats thinking balls are like little toys. So they're like fat at it. <laughs> I see him like flopping around and they're just like, oh, that's fun. That makes so much yeah. sense. Um, I think this one might be the most interesting. My head was in the wrong position, and when he came, it came out of my nose. That shit burns. Dot, dot, dot. That has never happened to me. I have not felt that burn. But, yeah, I can definitely imagine that not feeling good. It reminds me of, like, when my cousin drank milk, and I made her laugh, and yeah. it came through her nose when we were, like, 10. <laughs> um, let's do, like, one more. Uh, this one's kind of interesting. During my first time, my then boyfriend kept Sports Center on, was definitely listening throughout. So this is their first time having or her oh, first time having sex. No. And then he went limp, claiming that the condom was just too tight. It was so awkward. No. I'm like, turn Sports Center <laughs> off. You know, there's a really sad statistic that I think it's about 10% of people check their phones during sex. I'm just like, just put your phone away. There is no message that needs to be read in the middle of sex. I just check it like 20 times before just to make sure I don't accidentally call someone. I'm not randomly on Instagram live. (laughs) I'm not like anything. Keep your phone outside the bedroom. Then you won't worry about any accidental recordings or anything like that. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's t- I'm going to do just final questions and then we will be all done. All right. It's just around the topic of sharing. It doesn't necessarily have to be sex related. Um, first question, if you were to share a meal with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, God. This question is always so hard for me because my brain goes in like a million different directions. I think it would have to be with my grandparents. I mean, just being able to like see them again and have a meal again, especially like there's nothing like – meals with family you know it's just so special so i i i can't imagine not wanting to just be able to see them one more time um two more questions what was the last time you overshared something or you wish you didn't share something i can't talk (laughs) last time you overshared and you wish you could have taken it back yeah, this this happens with me pretty frequently on Instagram. Um, I really try to show up there like being as vulnerable as I can and like as honest and real. And there are definitely times where I get, I think it was Brene Brown came up with it, like the vulnerability hangover where you're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, did I really it's just real. share that? <laughs> um, yeah. So there was, the one that's coming to mind was like a couple of weeks ago, we were doing like an ask me anything kind of thing. And somebody asked like, is it true that sexuality is a spectrum? 
And I, I shared, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I definitely think it is. I think we all lie somewhere around that. And I was kind of joking around and I said, you know, I think I'm like 25 to 30% gay. I think it was like the first time that I've really said that publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, like, it, you know, it's not a huge deal. It, I, I feel like everyone is, I'm, I'm just being funny with the like percentage gay. We got a lot of messages yeah. that were like, oh, where's the test? Like, how do I find what my percentage is? I was like, <laughs> like I just, an Enneagram. I'm just like joking. <laughs> about it, making it up. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I was like, wow, that actually felt really vulnerable. And so mm. it, it gave me, it just gave me like a different perspective about thinking about people, you know, talking about their own sexuality and their sexual orientation and just how vulnerable it is to talk about that. So it gave me kind of a newfound respect for that. But yeah, it's just like important to be open, but sometimes I, I agree. You're like, did I need to go that far? Mm-hmm. Did I need to give every <laughs> detail? Yeah. Last question. Um, what is something that you can share about yourself that you want to be remembered by? I want to be remembered for helping people feel normal, just for helping take away the the shame and the stigma around sex, helping people feel more comfortable, like talking about it and just recognizing that sex is a perfectly normal and natural and healthy part of all of our lives. So you know, I, I just feel so lucky to be able to be doing the work that I'm doing and, and be able to get messages from people like every day saying that I'm helping them do that. I mean, to me, I just like, there's no greater, you know, gift than that. So I guess, I, okay, I have two answers. So that's like my professional answer. <laughs> and then my personal answer is I just want to be remembered as somebody who really cared about people. I think that that can actually encompass both professional yeah. and personal. Like, Absolutely. Just knowing that the people, my husband, my family, my friends, like if they remember me as like, she really loves the hell out of me. Like that (laughs) makes me like cheer up a little bit, but like that would be the best thing to be remembered now. Well, this has been amazing. And I agree. You're just like, you talk about it so easily and it makes so much sense and it just makes, it makes me comfortable. So I'm sure it makes all of your clients feel comfortable to have the conversations that you have. So thank thank you for the work that you do and thank you for being here. Before you go, can you tell everyone where they can find you, your courses, Instagram, all that stuff? Yeah. So definitely come find me on Instagram. My handle is Vanessa Marin therapy. And yeah, Xander and I do stories there every day. We're always trying to like make you laugh and talk about something ridiculous. Um, so we'd love to say hi there. Shoot me a DM. Let me know you were listening to this podcast. Um, and then I also, uh, on my website, it's VM therapy. Um, And we have tons of like free guides. We have all the information about our courses, tons of blog posts. Like it's really uh, just a really huge wealth of information over there too. So either one of those places would love to connect with you. Amazing. Yeah, everyone needs to go find that homework that we can all do. (laughs) That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow, as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime, this podcast, obviously. Send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at Something to Share Podcast on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday.